everyone. Welcome to Overtime Hockey Talk. My name is Mark Paul. My co-host Justin Baker and I. Um, unfortunately, I you know I didn't hit the record button soon enough for you to catch the conversation about Austin Matthews going to Arizona, and uh, we'll just leave it at that. You know, that's Justin. How how convinced are you that that's going to happen? How convinced am I? Um, let's just say it's going to take a few more Christmas miracles. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. He's he's not leaving Toronto. Um, I honestly am not. I'm not worried even a little bit. Not worried even a little bit. He, I mean, if if they go in and they they can't win a playoff series by the end of his contract, then like, then I'm just I'm I'm gonna go ahead and just say I'm like this team's done anyways. So, but I don't think that's gonna happen. Like, obviously, if you go seven years without winning a playoff round with the team that they have, then what do you do? Like, it'd be unexplainable, right? Like, getting that many cracks at a playoff run with this team, it would be an absolute joke. Um, it's not going to happen, so I'll just leave it at that. Um, on today's show, we are going to dive into the Western Conference, as promised. We were we were going to do the whole league, all the playoff races, and then uh, I think we talked for like an hour and 20 minutes about the Eastern Conference. So uh, we're going to dive into the West. And Ju- Justin, I'll, I'll give you... Uh, I'll give you dealer's choice here. What what race should we focus in on here to start? Well, I'll tell you what. I mean, my favorite team to watch in the West uh, for most of the season has been the Seattle Kraken, just where they started. And now it seems like they've been slipping a little bit. So now they're they're battling for that wild card spot. And I'd love to let's let's start off there. Okay. Yeah. I mean, we. I think if we're we're honing in on the Pacific, that third spot in the Pacific, along with the wild card is all wide open, right? Like you've got Edmonton, Seattle, and Calgary really battling it out for two or three, two or three spots. Uh, I suppose all three could make the playoffs. Uh, Edmonton right now has played three more games than Colorado and Colorado has one fewer point. So you got to think in these next three games, Colorado's going to pick up uh, at least two points in those games. So Edmonton's definitely working really from a deficit, even though they're ahead. Uh, but Colorado has not been, not been the Colorado that we got used to last year, mostly due to injuries. But uh, that's really turned the Western conference into a crazy race because you think about those points that Colorado has lost because of playing so poorly. I mean, practically playing just over 500 hockey. Uh, I mean, this is really thrown a wrench in the West. It's why other teams are so high in the standings because those games where we would have normally penciled in a Colorado win has gone the other way. And, you know, there's an extra, let's say, you know, at this point, 35 games in, we're really expecting the Avs to probably have more like a record that Vegas or Dallas has that like 23 to 25 wins. And if that's the case, that's 12 points to the Avs credit and 12 points away from some other teams. Uh, what do you think about the Edmonton Oilers? I want. I, I know you said you love watching Seattle, but part of me feels like the Pacific Division is sort of all bending on the Edmonton Oilers because, you know, for one reason, everyone wants to see Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl in the playoffs. Um, what a disaster it would be if they didn't make the playoffs like uh, this year, and uh, it looked like they were going to be on top of the world to start the year and. Uh, here we are. They're, they've gone 500 in their last 10, and and now we're sitting at, uh, you know, basically outside the playoffs, unless Colorado somehow goes on a a bad losing streak. But 
the Edmonton Oilers. Where do you stand on them right now? Oh, I am. I am not not too keen on this Oilers team. I mean, look when you when you look beyond the obvious, McDavid, Drysidle. I mean, just offensive juggernauts they are. I'm a little worried about what they can produce, you know, depth wise. Right? I mean, we we know what Zach Hyman and, and it's literally been their issue for like seven years. <laughs> it has, and it still continues to haunt them. Right? That's still the problem. I mean, look, Tyson Berry's been nice on the back end, but he's still still sometimes a defensive liability, and I think you come to expect that with a guy like that. Um, you know, Darnell Nurse, to me, has not lived up to his contract. I mean, this is a guy who, you know, I expected to produce a little bit more, and, um, you know, I mean, he's been fine playing almost 24 minutes a night, but, um, you know, at $9.5 bucks, I, I kind of expected more of a, I don't know if you want to call it a Victor Hedman, Roman Yossi-type impact, but it just hasn't even been close. And then beyond that, right, obviously they're they're clearly missing Evander Kane there. Um, you know, whenever he gets back from injury here, I know he's been, I believe he's been skating. So, um, but who knows when he's coming back, and I don't have an idea on his timeline. But listen, I mean, Puliarvi, Yamamoto, those, I mean, those depth pieces that they're expecting to contribute offensively have just not come close to anything. And, and I suspect, um, you know, as we get closer and closer to this deadline, I think this is going to be an Edmonton team that's going to, going to have to make some moves i mean i i say have to because look you can't like you said you can't have a playoff series in in the west without Connor mcdavid and dry um you know if they miss again i don't i mean i don't know how long you can you can be so pedestrian and you know we're only three more seasons after this away from the end of mcdavid's current deal and it's like okay well you know is he actually going to consider requesting a trade at any point or saying hey you know what um, we, we've got to do something bigger. We've got to do something better because they've got Hyman, they've got Nugent Hopkins locked up on pretty reasonable deals for, for quite a few years after this. So um, you think they could figure out a way to get one or two other offensive players in there, um, but it doesn't really look like it. Yeah, it's, you know, for all the talk that we have uh, thrown out to the like, oh, they, you know, they just can't find that depth scoring, right? Like that's been a pretty consistent conversation point. Uh, for the last since Connor McDavid got there, and you look at it and you go, I mean, between McDavid and Drysidle, they're making less than Matthews and Marner, and I would say that Matthews and Marner are the lesser pieces. Like I would take McDavid and Drysidle from a a skill point. You know, I would take those two guys over Matthews and Marner. Um, it's it's slight. They're obviously all four of them are quite different players, but I mean. You've got Connor McDavid at number one, and then probably the rest of those guys are at least Matthews, Dreisaitl. You could make the argument of like there's number two A and two B uh, as far as the next best players in the league. I think that that's a reasonable conversation to have. Marner's definitely not uh, on the same level as far as scoring goals, so he gets he's he's probably somewhere in the top top fifteen players in the NHL. Uh, but definitely, if in terms of wingers, he's got to be a top, a top ten, top five winger uh, because of what he can do on the penalty kill too. But you look at that and you go, okay, they're making less, a lot, and they don't have a John Tavares on their on their right. books. And so, like, what's going on? Why why is it that this team has not been able to find depth? And uh, it's it really it comes down to the fact that 
they never drafted. I mean, they also have Ryan Nugent Hopkins, who, by the way, is putting up more than a point per game right now. He's on the best clip of his entire career. <laughs> 18 goals in 38 games. His, uh, by the way, his career high in goals is 28. And right now he's on pace for almost 40 goals. So we'll see if uh, if he can hold that up. He would also shatter his career high in points, which was the same year in 1819 where he had 69 points. Uh, he's on pace for about 93 points. So uh, a great year for Nugent Hopkins. I mean, you look at that and you go, where? Like, why is this happening to this team again where they just can't seem to find their find their footing and win games? And to me, a lot of it is just they're like they're kind of like the New Jersey devils were last year. Like they just cannot keep the puck out of their net. They're letting in, not just like, you know, in terms of you look at pure goals against and they aren't doing so bad. You know, they're not, they're not bad, especially they played more games than everyone in the West. And there's only out of the teams that they're fighting with, you know, most teams are, are right around where they are in terms of goals against. But I mean, it's just been, like not getting any timely goalie goaltending. And uh, that's really killed the Oilers along with, of course, the fact that they just haven't had any stability on the back end. Uh, just, just can't seem to make that work. And yeah, Darnell nurse is seemingly taking a step backwards, which is unfortunate, but I also don't think that this is forever. Um, but you do wonder, you know, they fire their coach, things turn around for a while. And does this like, Maybe there's something with this team. Like, just they're they need a new they need new voices more often than, than not. I don't know because it just seems like they can't figure themselves out. And uh, and they're I mean they're playing in a division where literally every point is going to count. And does it seem like they sometimes just take their foot off the gas like the rest of the team? I mean, not McDavid or Drysital, but they're. Either they're taking their foot off the gas, or is it the fact that because Dreisaitl and McDavid are so good and they can put up such big numbers that maybe the focus is too much on the numbers that they have? And you not not to keep beating the Leaf drum, but you look at what the Leafs have done uh, with their forwards and gone. We're like we're going to have a, a greater devotion to defense. And you see this with a lot of really great teams that go on to win the Stanley Cup. We saw this with, I like as far back as I can think, you see it with like the Dallas Stars in 1999. You had Brett Hull, who was the ultimate a screw defense player. I mean, this guy was, he scored 86 goals and he was a negative in plus minus. <laughs> like, <laughs> literally a detriment to his team and he scored 86 goals. Uh, he goes there and, and, and is a much better defensive player. Uh, you see teams throughout where, you know, Tampa Bay, I would say, they they devoted themselves more to the defensive side of the game. And uh, once once they stopped, you know, you've got Kucherov putting up massive numbers and Stamco scoring 60 goals. Once they stopped worrying about their own point totals and started playing this incredible team game, I, I think out of any team that we've seen over the last maybe 10, 15 years. Uh, I think that Tampa Bay plays probably the best overall team game, the most bought-in team uh, that I can remember uh, up up to this point. But yep. uh, 
I look at that and I go, I just, I think that the Oilers are in this place where, yeah, they can put up huge numbers, but what the hell do the numbers matter? It doesn't matter anymore. I guess them though, they have won a playoff series. You know, there's the there's the difference. They've won a playoff series. They've shown they can do it. The Leafs haven't. But man, the teams that Edmonton has lost to in the playoffs are laughably inferior to what they should have been. I mean, they lost to that freaking Colorado Avalanche team in the bubble, or uh, Chicago Blackhawks team in the bubble that was just putrid. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, so the one difference I will say when you look at some of those other teams, right, um, when I look at, for example, the the last two cup-winning Tampa Bay Lightning teams, or even Washington, right, you talk about another team that kind of bought into defense when Trotz came in and Obi wasn't scoring, you know, 100 goals a year and started focusing a little bit more on playing a defensive game, and same with Backstrom there. They, um, went the, they went the pendulum swing with Adam Oates, and then they were like, well, you don't right. have to play that much defense, just a exactly. little. Exactly. <laughs> Right, you just have to play a little bit, right? And but again, those teams had third lines that that could come in and produce sure. and and chip in every once in a while, and fourth lines that that knew how to grind out and and that's what I'm missing out of this Edmonton team, right? Is just those those ability to 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 get those third and fourth lines that can contribute when you know McDavid and Drysaddle aren't ripping it up because yeah, they're scoring a ton of goals, but I mean, look, McDavid's got 32, Drysaddle 21, like you mentioned, Nugent Hopkins with 18, and, and Hyman 17. So, and then it drops right off to six after that with Darnell Nurse. So, I mean, obviously the scoring dips after those top four guys, and there's a, a clear reason why because those guys are going to go ahead and play 25 minutes a night. But, um, I mean, that's that to me is what 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 is going to make the difference. And when you look at a team like Toronto, what you mentioned, they're starting to play a little bit more team defense, right? They still have some guys like like Carly Yarncroc and, and David Kampf, who I know I, I could rely – yeah, that could contribute on those bottom six lines to come in and chip in every once in a while if, you know, if Matthews or Marner are just sort of you know, having a little bit of a dry spell. Those guys will contribute, whereas I, I have no faith in anybody in the bottom six of this Oilers team yeah. to contribute. Yeah, when you look at the bottom six and you go, McLeod, Fogel, Yamamoto, James right. Hamblin, Dylan Holloway, Derek Ryan, that is their bottom six. I mean, they're just uh, they're also they're also hurting, you know, at the Vander Kane out. That, but every team is going to have injuries. Every team's got to be able to sustain some level of injury to their to each group. Uh, there there isn't a team in the league that hasn't had major injuries either on the front end or the back end. Even the best teams like Boston was without Charlie McAvoy and Brad Marchand. <laughs> Right. That, that would basically be like the Oilers being without Leon Dreisaitl and Darnell Nurse. And imagine where this team would be if that was the case. Uh, so uh, you got to look at it and go, there's something systemically wrong with the Edmonton Oilers. They, they're they in this position often, and you look at the talent up front and you go, this team should not be even in this conversation of missing the playoffs but here we are once again in the conversation about holy crap are the Edmonton Oilers going to miss the playoffs now that could all change in three weeks you know you go rattle off eight in a row and suddenly you're you're in second place in the division okay but the way that they have been playing especially as of late uh, is seemingly with no urgency and they are just getting no goaltending uh it's, it's yeah, rough that always times. hurts, right? It, it just feels like we had the same conversation last year, 
we were talking about, oh, well, the Oilers are going to make the playoffs, and you can't, you know, Ken Holland comes out, well, we're not spending a first-round pick on this team if they can't make the playoffs. Well, guess what? Here we are again. Like, this is this is craziness. Uh, go spend your first-round pick. <laughs> they're they're going to have to, and they're going to have to clear, like, probably clear a little bit of space. And, I, I mean, even with Evander Kane coming back, I don't think that that's enough to – to catapult this team to really being a Stanley Cup contender because of their lack of defensive depth. And I mean, hopefully Campbell can turn it around or either that or Stuart Skinner is, you know, ready, maybe ready to take the mantle. He's been good. He has been good. It's just, they, everything's not lining up when it should. So uh, for the Oilers, you look at that playoff race and it, you really wonder because now, I guess the one team that you would go, and you said you love to watch them, and and I do too. They've been very entertaining, the Seattle Kraken, uh, mostly because, I mean, their fans are great, and they don't have a superstar. They really remind me of that Vegas team their first year where you're like, ooh, this is exciting, cool. Like This team with no superstar player at this point, Maddie Beneers, I think, will will become uh, a superstar in this league, but uh, I think... You look at them and you go, oh, they're fun to watch because they just work and they, they're bought in uh, and they're not supposed to be here. <laughs> but right. maybe they're the one team that you go, well, based on Edmonton and Colorado behind them, do they fall off? But yeah, it's it's uh, th- that's what's going to have to happen. Either Edmonton or Colorado are going to miss the playoffs. At, like At this point, what do you think the odds are that both those teams or one of those teams misses the playoffs. Whew, I would, I would probably go a solid 33% here. And my money would be on Edmonton missing the playoffs at this point, right? As, as poorly as Jack Campbell's been playing. And, and again, it, it could mean, you know, Stuart Skinner's going to probably get, you know, 75 to 80% of the games down the stretch, which if that's the case, that's probably Edmonton's best hope right now. But, um, you know, Colorado's going to get healthy at some point. They're going to, make a move because they need to figure out this second line center spot, I think, and, or at least bring in some more depth scoring. And so, um, yeah, I, I, I think as good as Colorado's goaltending's been, I, I, I just, I can't see them missing the playoffs with, with the type of talent they have too. same as Edmonton, but where the difference is, is, you know, I, I know Colorado's been there. They know what it takes to grind out and win. And they've, they've got that goaltending that I, I can trust in a little bit more. So, um, yeah. So if I had to, you know, if I had to pick, you know, one of these guys missing, I would probably go with Edmonton at a at a thirty three percent chance. Yeah, the only team even in a playoff race uh, that does not have a winning record at home, they are nine ten and one at home. So that's killed Ooh. them. I mean, when you look at everyone else, everyone else is at least above five hundred by by a game or two, and they they just can't do it at home, and that's that's really killed them. Uh, now they get Evander Kane back, they go out and they make a move. Uh, they they certainly can can hold their own and and move up the standings, but they they have played more games than other people. You know, Seattle wins two of these three, and suddenly there's a four point spread, and Colorado wins two of their three, and they're you know then they're uh, they're three points back of Colorado. It, it can it can get away from them really quick if they can't win rattle off some wins here. And man, you you got to look at this and go yeah, if. How how is it that we're not calling for Ken Holland? 
when like this just Boy. shouldn't be happening. This is not a like I get it. They won a playoff series last year. I get it. Like they turned they run they turned the ship around last year. But you know what? He he was the one who uh, who brought it. Who oh, shoot? I can't even think. I can't. I can think of his face. Dave uh, Tippett, their head coach before. He's the one who brought him in, and Dave Tippett could never do it. Brings you know hires Jay Woodcroft, and uh, and of course he has a great end of the season wins that playoff round but here we are again and you gotta you gotta go was it the coaching or is it just this guy is building a team in 2003 like he just it doesn't maybe have it anymore i mean he in reality since that cup win in what was it 2008 right the wings won the cup 2008 yep what has he done uh, they went to the Stanley Cup Finals the following year, and then uh, and then since then, I don't think they made it out of the second round, right? No, no, and none, and then... none of his teams have. So that's uh, by my count, fourteen seasons, uh, including this one. So uh, thirteen seasons where his team has, I believe, won what two, two maybe three playoff series. Well, and here's the thing: I mean, he's come from a system that's traditionally you know, been patient, been okay with waiting on guys to develop and, and bring up talent that way. But he comes into an Edmonton team where he didn't have a huge farm system. He doesn't have a lot of, you know, capital as far as, you know, players to be able to, to be patient on. And and so when you don't have this, you have to be aggressive in other ways to, to find ways to succeed. And I think, you know, I, I think as a fan base, and I would assume as ownership, and I don't know, you know, what, you know, really how ownership feels, but just off the top of my head, I would assume that when you have McDavid and Dreisaitl in these these amazing deals here for two more seasons after this one, you have to be aggressive and and you have to go all in because these guys McDavid's easily going to sign for fifteen million plus. Easy and and Dreisaitl, I would assume, is going to be pretty close to that number as well. And then when you and and again, not knowing where the cap is, but knowing that it's going up, you know who knows how much you know money they'll really have to spend on depth players then too. And so you might still be in the same kind of predicament or you might even be worse off and you might lose one of these players. So if there's a time for Ken Holland to say, you know what, we're going all in, we're spending those first round picks, they have to do it now. I do not think they have have time to sit around and wait two or three years and let some of these first rounders develop so they can have these quote unquote depth players, kind of like how Chicago did it, where they, they got lucky and they would have these younger kids come up and they could plug them in on the third line and get some scoring, but they don't have that kind of time. Yeah, and they they the the time is now because they did that right. They 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 drafted, they waited, and they drafted poorly because Poyarvi has not turned into the player that they wanted. Yamamoto has not turned into the player that they wanted. Uh, I mean, we could we could go back into time a little bit and uh, and talk about some other players that they made that they took in the first overall spot and that did not work out. So right. they they have missed on players, and that's just. When all is said and done, that's that's probably their Achilles heel has been their drafting. And really, Ken Holland, I mean, I would love to go back and look at all the players that Ken Holland has drafted since winning the Stanley Cup in 2008. And I guess I, I, would, I would guess that there are not too many great players that were drafted um, after that point. And we're going to do it right now because why not well i mean so i I can tell you a few off the top of my head i mean like look uh drafted thomas tatar yep in 2009 he's been okay he's a good middle six guy but you know again he's not 
you know, I mean, he's not a, a world beater. He's not a, a, a big needle mover, right? Callie um, Arncroak, 2010 with a second round pick. Yep. Uh, but let's again, just take a look at six guy. Let's take a look at his first round picks. Riley Sheehan with the 21st overall pick um, did not end up being the greatest player, but he's he's okay. Um, I guess, a whole year without scoring. <laughs> I, I guess I'll, I'll give it to him in 2013. He took Mantha in the first round and Bertuzzi in the second round. Uh, that's that's a great year. Uh, and then after 2013, Dylan Larkin with the 15th overall pick in 2014. That's a solid I mean, pick. That was a no-brainer because this kid's out of Michigan. Right. I mean, sure. they knew they were going to draft him regardless. Um, Philip Roenick in, in uh, 2016. He took him uh, yeah, then, that's been an okay pick. Yeah, I mean he's fine. Uh, I'm just I'm just kind of looking for guys who are actually on an NHL roster that make any <laughs> difference at all. Um, yeah, uh, I mean you got Joe Valeno who hasn't panned out. Philip Zadina who has been okay. Uh, what Broberg for the in 2019 for the Oilers and uh Dylan Holloway's on their fourth line. And that's <laughs> looking at who he's drafted as an Edmonton Oilers general manager. You've got Philip Broberg, his eighth overall pick. And that's an eighth overall pick, mind you, that is, yes, in their lineup. But, I mean, he's. He's not moving the needle. Yeah, I mean, and half the time he's not even starting. He's not even playing. He's been a healthy yeah. scratch. And you look so, at some of the guys after him. I mean, yeah, Trevor Zegras. Yeah, first pick right <laughs> after him, Trevor Zegras. Matthew Boldy, and, Spencer Knight. Boy, wouldn't you like to have Spencer Knight right now? Cole Caulfield. Cole Caulfield. Yeah. Even Alex Newhook in in you know in in the Avs organization right now. I would take Ryan him. Suzuki. Yeah, there's there's some uh, not yeah Shane Pinto in the second round. I mean, it's it's hard to say at that point. Yeah, Peter Kochenkov in Carolina. There's yeah. another goaltender. I mean, I think he would love to have right now. So certainly, I mean, yeah, you just you look at and then I, I, I'm gonna hold off uh, 2022 because that's not necessarily fair, and 2021 because uh, Xavier Borio hasn't had a chance yet. But I mean, you look back and you just go, man, they seems like they waste. I mean, a 14th overall, eighth overall. It, in, in two consecutive years, and, and neither of those players have made a huge impact, and that's going to hurt you. Uh, I guess that's 2019 is as far back as we can really judge him as a GM from a, a drafting standpoint because that's obviously when he took over. Uh, but, yeah, it's just, man, we, we keep beating this drum on the Edmonton Oilers, but I do wonder, you know, he's now been the GM for four years, and... You know how much longer of this? I'll say mediocrity. Are you willing to accept with the two best players in the game? I mean, this is as Pittsburgh Penguins 2008 as it gets. You've got Evgeny Malkin and Sidney Crosby, part two, and maybe and probably both players are even better than those guys were, at least from a talent standpoint. It's just a matter of you know, can you get a coach that can uh, get this team to win and a GM that can fill the coffers enough to to help them to get there uh, okay well let's let's stop hating on the Edmonton Oilers and, and hope they can make the playoffs uh, Colorado you think that uh, where, where are you at with I mean they've got tons of injuries but what I okay 
The last team to miss the playoffs after winning the Stanley Cup was the 2005-2006 Carolina Hurricanes. Are we going to see a repeat of that? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, I, I again, I, I think, you know, there have been a ton of injuries, and I think at some point, right, this team's going to get healthy. We're going to see uh, Landis Gog back. I don't know when his what his timeline's looking like, but, um, you know, he's going to come back, and I think that's going to elevate this well, team to a whole uh, other level. And uh, McKinnon has been activated from uh, injured reserve. Right, and I do think, you know, too, at some point, I don't think, you know, again, money aside, they, they have – six plus million bucks right now when you talk about deadline cap space and so i think at some point joe sackick is not going to wait around to get close to the deadline to quote unquote save a couple bucks right well i think Um, they were hoping that they could they could bank that money until the trade deadline because then they have it a little bit a little bit more and now you're sitting in a position where you i mean they're gonna have to bring back landis cog though and then suddenly your your cap space is is gone (laughs) Right. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Absolutely. The cap space, you know, disappears a little bit. But I think, you know, again, you look at some trade assets they have. They have Samuel Gerard. They can easily move him. They could find a team to maybe take on Eric Johnson's contract. You know, maybe a couple million bucks. Uh, you know, on that one. And so, um, I, I think there are creative ways they can create some cap space. But they have assets to move. And I think, you know, they they've got enough capital. I think once you get, you know, you know, again, guys coming back healthy. You know. I think this team is smart enough. They're they're good enough, and I think they've got enough talent to, to get in. But without you know filling that second line center spot, I, I don't know if they have enough talent to go far in the playoffs. I just don't think it's a question of if they'll get in. It's just a matter of how long they'll stay in. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, I don't think that Eric Johnson is going to get traded. I I th- I mean he has a I guess he has like a limited no move. It's it's not. Not too restrictive. Nineteen teams he can be traded to. I don't know that you're looking at him and going, "Yeah, it's worth just hanging on to three million or something." Or, I I think they'll just keep him. He was pretty valuable in the playoffs. He's a UFA at the end of the year. You probably bring him back on like a one times one, uh, just because they do really like him. He's been there for a long time, and I think he brings a lot of stability to the to the the back end. Where you know it's probably more of an intangible than anything. It's an expensive intangible, uh, <laughs> but they do have, you know, they've got Bowen Byram on on a, on his ELC right now. You've got Cur- Curtis McDermott making less than a million bucks. Brad Hunt making less than you know. They've they've got guys who are filling filling in right now who are inexpensive. And I think you're probably leaving your defense alone, knowing you're getting Josh Manson and Bowen Byram back. And that is going to, you know, they'll go into the playoffs, McCarr and Johnson and Gerard Taves, Josh Manson, and then probably McDermott or, you know, whoever else you want to, to fill in there as your sixth defenseman. And it's as easy to go out and scoop up a sixth defenseman at the deadline as ever uh, by spending a, a fourth round pick or something. So, I, I just think that I mean obviously their, their their weak point is once again, and we're seeing this across the league because the salary cap hasn't gone up in forever. Uh, we're seeing the the lack of depth. It's the case for almost every really good team, uh, almost every really good team that there's a lack of depth. You look at the Dallas Stars. There's a little bit of lack of depth once you get beyond their top six. Uh, Vegas, there's a little lack of depth once you get beyond their top six. Uh, even like 
Boston is maybe one of the the exceptions in Carolina. No, I mean Carolina just they're they're the same. I mean, there's so many teams that don't have depth because of the lack of cap. Because teams have had to let that one player go or those two players go, and uh, and that wrecks you after a while. Um, theoretically, it's supposed to feed the the lesser teams and give them some some better players, but uh, you kind of see the same teams towards the top. Um, I think when it comes to the Avalanche that this is this is also that like all right we we won the stanley cup we know how to do this uh maybe the beginning of the year there was a little bit of a hangover i feel like they're just too good and georgiev has struggled as of a little late but he's been fine frank kuz has been fine they're getting decent goaltending and i i think they'll write this ship i think they're definitely more likely than the edmonton oilers to write their ship because they currently are without a lot of players that they're about to get back. I mean, they're without four mainstays on their team with Byram, Manson, Landeskog, McKinnon. And, I mean, even Darren Helm, to an extent, is somebody who played a big role for them in the playoffs. Scored a big goal. Yep. Um, okay, should we... Uh, should we, well, we haven't really talked about Calgary at all. Are are like out of those four teams, I, I guess this is where we'll, we'll, we'll close this portion of it. Calgary sits third in the Pacific. You've got Seattle and Edmonton in the first two wild card spots. Colorado a point out on Edmonton with three games in hand. Where do you th- where do you feel like these teams ultimately fall when the chips are all played out? Yeah, that's a good question. I think you know, and obviously honestly, Colorado can't finish third in the Pacific. <laughs> they're right, uh, right. I should say they're three points back of the Wild who are third in the central. You know, personally, I, I think this the Pacific division, you're going to see Vegas, LA and Calgary. nab those top three spots. I think LA starting to get some, some really good goaltending out of Phoenix Copley. They're starting to figure it out as a team and, and they're scoring enough goals that I think eventually they're, they're going to write that, that goal differential where I think they'll, they'll come out pretty close to even, uh, and they'll hang on to one of those top three spots and Calgary, Calgary is getting it together. I think they're starting to play a more structured team game, I think, you know, again, when you bring in and you have a big turnover as far as top-end talent is concerned, it does take time. Takes like a, it, Sometimes it takes a year. Right. Yeah, it takes time. And so we're now seeing Huberdu come out, and he's playing a lot better. I mean, same with, you know, the rest of this team. I think guys are starting to get back in the groove again. And I think, you know, as well-coached as they are, and they've got, you know, the goaltending's been mediocre for them this year, and I think it's starting to come back around a little bit. So, um, you know, Markstrom's starting to find – and his game back again. I think you know this team continues to improve. There's there's no doubt in my mind they'll finish third in this division. So when you look at the wild card spot, though, I think I honestly would would say that Colorado to me is more likely to, to jump up and nab Minnesota's spot. But assuming Minnesota stays at number three and maybe you know Winnipeg and Dallas don't you know shit the bed, um, I honestly think it's probably going to be Seattle and Colorado. And I I would. Honestly, say if Kenny Holland doesn't make a move here soon, Edmonton's going to be on the outside looking in. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm going... Uh, I really like the Seattle team. I, I they've, they've been on a little bit of a dip right now. Uh, they do have three games in hand on, on Calgary. I, I really like the way that they're playing, and they're, they're, they're getting decent goaltending, and I think they could get even better goaltending. Um, I mean, like, like we said... It sometimes takes a year, even more, for guys to get comfortable with a new team, with a new city. And 
I guess you got to hope that that's, that's kind of what you're seeing with, uh, with their goaltending. I mean, Martin Jones comes in and, and he's been the savior <laughs> for the, for the crack and he's been fantastic. But, uh, Philip Grubauer, who has mightily struggled as a, as a, a Kraken. I mean, even this year, three, seven and one, he, uh, he has just not been great. He has shown some ability to play again. He's been much better. Uh, the last five games or so he's been better. Uh, other, I mean, I guess he got, he got yanked against the Edmonton Oilers, but, uh, in very short amount of time, three minutes and 55 seconds, <laughs> he started and right. was pulled. Uh, but before that, even when like he's losing some games and he's playing fantastic, like against Calgary, he made 41 saves and with a nine, three, two save percentage in a loss. Uh, a couple games before that nine, two, three save percentage makes 36 saves in a loss against Carolina. Like he, his team is, not playing as well in front of him as they're not putting up the same amount of goal support as they have been for Martin Jones, who's been getting a lot of goal support. And really, I mean, neither Jones or Grubauer playing that great in terms of that save percentage. I mean, 888 versus an 881. Uh, you look at that and you go, okay, does this team have, like, can they stay in the playoff race with le- sub 89 save percentage? I don't know, but I really like them. Like I want to say that Seattle is the is the Vegas of their you know their first year, and that Seattle can kind of climb. I look at that and I go, I don't think that Seattle has what it takes to sit here all year. In thirty five more games from now, at the seventy game mark, do I think that they can have this same goal differential with she's with an eight eighty eight save percentage? I don't think so. So either the goaltending's got to vastly improve uh, or this team, you know, had a really nice first half and they're just not there yet. That's probably the case. I think the Oilers get in. I think the Avs get in. I think the Flames get in. And whatever that order ends up being, uh, likely Calgary is that third spot in the Pacific and Edmonton finds its way into the wild card. And they get to either play Vegas or Dallas in the first round, which will be a hoot. (laughs) And then... I think probably in the end, Colorado figures their themselves out and they find their way into one of those top three spots in the division. Not the top spot, but uh, duking it out with Minnesota. And I, I think Colorado gets into. I, I just don't think Seattle has what it takes to sit here all year long. I, I see them kind of like, you know, LA. Do you remember last year, LA was, they were pretty far ahead and then they really started to kind of crumble towards the end. And. Mm-hmm. They just didn't have the staying power. Now they made the playoffs. They they did end up making the playoffs, but uh, I think that Seattle Seattle just didn't get far enough ahead to start. And I just don't think they have the horses or the goaltending to really get them through this next stage where the next thirty five games are much harder than the first thirty five games. Sure, and that's yeah, and uh, I, that's where I, mean, I don't think I they have say, the staying power. Well, I will say you know we talk about depth right with a lot of these teams where. Colorado could use a little bit more. Edmonton could use it, right? I, I I don't know specifically what you know the waiver claim was for for all those other two teams, but Seattle goes out and they they claim a guy named Ilya Tolvanen, a former first rounder out of Nashville, who I don't know why they put him on waivers, you know, um, but they did, and so he gets snagged up by Seattle, and he's got a goal through his first game, and here's a guy who 
was projected to be a top six forward for Nashville at some point. And so who knows, maybe he finds his way again back in Seattle and that could be just another added one, two punch, you know? So again, you have a guy in your third line who adds again, more depth scoring that other teams could really use. And so, um, you know, again, I, I know we talked about St. Louis, right. In this West, we've, we've already kind of, I, I, I don't want to say we, we put a nail in their coffin, but you know, we might as well start burying them. <laughs> and so you look at a, a team like Seattle, you know, to me, who, who would love to make a little bit of noise, right. For their fan base and get in the playoffs. And if you could go out and snag a Ryan O'Reilly or a Tarasenko and bring in one of those guys, you know what that would mean for this franchise. And I, I would say without a doubt, they would instantly be, you know, a playoff contender in my mind uh, to get in if they could manage to snag one of those two guys. Yeah, If they're as good as they were even last year, Ryan O'Reilly this year has been quite bad. <laughs> I don't know how much he helps you honestly at this point he just has been terrible but maybe that well that fresh look on things would help him yeah i mean I, and i will say too considering you know what they have down the middle middle right now beyond maddie Beniers, i don't know if you know ryan o'reilly is any worse than what they've got so i think you know getting that veteran guy in there who has one and knows how to win would be nothing but a boost for a lot of these younger guys and then you know of course tarasenko's got a no trade clause so he kind of controls a little bit of where he's going to go. So I don't think maybe Seattle's on his radar, but you never know, right? For the right price, maybe, um, you know, who knows, right? You, well, you and if he's the only and, team, if he's the team, if that's the team that's after him and, and they're the only ones that want him, uh, Right. And maybe they're, they're already talking to his agent about a possible extension, right? So maybe he's, he's looking at it like, yeah. okay, cool. Well, I can get a little bit more money here too. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, that Seattle team is. I, I hope that they're here. Like, I think at very least they're in this. They're in the mix for a long time. Uh, I don't know that they. I don't think they're going to trade their first round pick, nor should they. Uh, they've got three second round picks. I could see them using one of those. Like, if they're in a position to make the playoffs, you know, they're within two points of the playoffs at the deadline. You got to use one of those second round picks to bring someone in. Just to just to say, man, you guys have overachieved. Let's give you some help, and let's see if we can do this. We believe in you guys, right. and and you see where your team can go. Uh, especially since you you have your top two centers, theoretically, you know, for for your franchise and Shane, uh, Shane Wright and Maddie Beniers, and uh, so now you know now you're you're uh, you sit there and you root for Shane Shane Wright in the World Juniors playing today in the quarterfinals and uh and you hope that you know you wish the best for the rest of your team because you don't you don't need to be in the mix for a lottery pick anymore you, you've got your two top two guys now you want to see this team take steps become a desirable place to win and i think you'll you'll really see some uh some cool things happen i mean i know from what i understand seattle is already like a top eight producer in terms of revenue in the league like their market is just blowing up so they're going to be a team that uh people want to go to the league's going to push and uh they're only getting started um i we have not talked much about the central division it it feels more established than the pacific i mean so does the top of the, the pacific you know you're not we're not worried about vegas uh, fortunately for them, we're not really talking about them. And that's, they're not in much of a race, even though they're only four points up, but they they seem to uh, have stabilized a little bit here and 
they they look good. Uh, same with Dallas. I mean, I don't think anyone expects the Dallas Stars to fall from where they are. They've played such a good team game. Uh, which, by the way, I believe Joe Pavelski has signed an extension with the Dallas Stars for another year. So he will. Uh, not that we ever thought he was on the trade block, uh, but he does sign a one-year, three and a half million dollar deal. Who talk about team friendly? Oh yeah. boy! Yeah, they were like, "Hey, we had to pay uh, Rupe hints, and uh, <laughs> so we need you to take a little less." You have lots of money, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. I'll yeah, stay. no doubt about that. I mean, you'll st- you'll stay to to. I mean, plus there there is an, an inherent risk every year that a thirty eight year old to a thirty nine year old to a forty year old, you know, every year somewhere you're going to fall off. Yeah, but let well, let's, let's just be clear five about years this ago though. For Pavelski. <laughs> Uh, Pavelski's also got two performance bonuses in there. He gets one million bucks if he plays ten games, and another million if he plays twenty. So he's clearly ah. going to get those, barring a catastrophic injury sure. to a season. But the nice thing about bonuses is you can roll those into the next year for the cap hit. So I think that's probably what they're doing. So when the cap goes up after next year, they can just write that off as no big deal. All right, good to know. Um, well, Justin, I need to uh, I need to take off. So. Uh-huh. Will, uh, yeah, I know. A little bit shorter of a show. Um, why don't you give me your final thoughts on just the, the Western Conference playoff race? Well, my final thoughts. Um, well, we could we could probably talk about Arizona again, but uh, you <laughs> and I did enough about that. My final thoughts is just I'm hoping Winnipeg continues to play good hockey because you know after you know a lot of a lot of people writing them off as being you know a, a, they're going to miss the playoffs after last year. Uh, there's no way they're getting back in with this Colorado team, Minnesota and Dallas and all these other, you know, up and comers. I, I think, you know, it's, it's great to see Winnipeg back in it because again, my boy Connor Hollebuck is looking phenomenal. So, you know, continued success for them and, uh, just, uh, you know, a, a good 2023. Yeah. I think that Winnipeg is, even though they've only been five and five in their last 10, uh, which, you know, it, it leading up to Christmas is kind of a, uh, a weird time. This is, this is where you got it. You got to make your money right here uh, in this stretch. January tends to be that month where you can really separate yourself. It's if for my money, I think this might be the hardest month of the season because it's it's dead in the middle. You know that you've played a lot of hockey. You also have a ton of hockey left to go. Mentally taxing. You're in that grind right now. It's cold as balls in some of these cities especially winnipeg edmonton you know so there's just not that like oh it's nice outside still and uh i i think this is the hardest month to uh, okay. but it's but it's the month where you can really separate yourself because some teams go on a go on a big slump in this month and i think this is the month where you know if winnipeg's going to really cement themselves in this division keep that second spot here uh yeah she's there without a lot of players <laughs> Wheeler, <laughs> Ehlers, Schmidt, Appleton, Stanley, and lots of guys on on IR, but all of them expected back here within the next uh, couple weeks. So, uh, Connor Hellebuck having another Vesna Trophy winning season. You think he steals it? No, I, I think he's right. He's in that conversation, but I don't think he's stolen it quite yet. Uh, there's other guys like Ilya Sorokin and uh, you know Lin- Linus Allmark who are going to be at the top of that conversation. But yeah, Linus um, Allmark has been. F- freaking fantastic oh my yeah. goodness but i'm I'm, but, I'm looking at it and i'm going well that's the team in front of them right like but a 938 save percentage my goodness hard to argue with that so you think that's a three percent higher than the average 
right, right. now. <laughs> and I will also add to I speaking of goaltending, I'm hoping Jordan Bennington continues to shit the bed because I want to see St. Louis drop. I want to see what happens with with these two big names we talked about, Riley mm-hmm. O'Reilly and, and Tarasenko. And I, I love those big big players getting moved. So okay, excited yeah. for that. I think that'll be our next show. I think we got to talk some uh, some big moves. The, the the biggest okay. moves that we think are coming up because that's uh we're we're right in that time that conversation where like we know some of these teams are out and we've talked about them but now it's time to like okay what what trades are going to happen I, I think that's probably our our next spot 10? but but maybe before we do that uh, just to just to tease a little bit I mean we are headed in after this week we'll basically be at the halfway mark of the regular season. So you know what that means. Mm-hmm. We've got our midseason awards coming up. Oh yeah, I I think it's I, I'm I'm okay with doing them at you know some teams are at game forty. That's fine. We'll do a midseason award, but I I think our I think we should probably do that midseason award show and then and then we'll dive into some trade talk after that. I love it. All right. Well, uh, find us on Twitter at OT Hockey Talk and uh, Justin. Have a great rest of your day and to our listeners, Happy New Year and. Look forward to our mid-season awards coming up soon. See you guys.
defensively too, bringing in a Cali Yarncroke, guys who have uh, someone who has played his entire career as someone who can uh, play both sides of the puck. David Kampf has. I, I talked about it last year. I think we did a uh, like a midseason award show, and I said, you know, David Kampf, look at him. Look at him for the Selkie because he was taking like, I think, 85% of his face-offs were in the defensive zone. I mean, the guy is just a juggernaut uh, defensively, killing every penalty. He's been great for the Leafs, and I think has really grown into that role for she- Sheldon Keefe. Uh, they, they finally, I think, are in a place where – they're willing to do what it takes. They're blocking shots. They're they're committed to the defensive side. And I think you've seen that with, you know, hey, there's there has been a decline in the amount of goals that this team is scoring, but it's on purpose. And they're they're saying, yeah, we're we're purposely trying much harder to keep the puck out of our net than than we have in the past. And it's certainly showing. And I think you're now seeing if this were any other team, you know, if this were the the well the Boston Bruins are are doing this just on an even better scale. If this were the New Jersey Devils, if this were the Winnipeg Jets, you know, just your any team, you'd go, wow, this team is incredible defensively, and I and and they're going to win the first round. I think, and it's just because you know the history. The Leafs haven't been able to get out of the first round, yada yada. Uh, I I think everything's poised for them to win. Now it doesn't mean they're going to win, but I think they should be heavily favored to win. Uh, in this in this first round matchup, it's shown up in the games that they've played against Tampa recently. Uh, the Leafs have just been the better team, and that's without Morgan Riley. That's without. I mean, we think Jake Muzzin will be out the rest of the year, anyways. But so kind of a moot point. But they did it without TJ Brody in the first game. I mean, this this team is committed defensively, and it's showing. And I think come playoff time, that's where it's going to go. Oh, this is a different team. This is a different team than what we've seen uh, because of that. And, you know, hopefully they can keep playing that way all year. It is only 30 games. (laughs) Yeah, and let me ask you, too. I mean, looking at the numbers, do you think this team outside of, obviously, we know the the top four scorers on this this Ford group, do you think outside of those four guys they have enough scoring, you know, depth-wise on their their third and fourth line to to compete? Well, I mean, I I do think they'll make make some acquisition here in the next – three months I think you'll see them bring someone in they do have a lot of cap space accruing right now with all the injuries that they've had so in the end that's that's a benefit they'll have the five million dollars that Jake Muzzin is allotted for they'll be able to go out and acquire a scorer and I think you'll see that uh, I also recently there has been some more offense coming from uh, from those bottom two lines and some of some of it, I think you're you're going well. You know those bottom lines are a lot of times playing with the, like their defenseman back there is what it's been Victor Mete, Jordy Ben. <laughs> uh, it it's been these guys who are really barely NHL defensemen, or if they you know they're five six defensemen and they're not getting the time with these better guys. Rasmus Sandin of course goes down two for the Leafs so I mean that's just that's not helping but you've got uh, Engvall's been scoring a little bit more recently. Yarn Croak who again remember this is a new team uh, Yarn Croak started to score a little bit more and I think you're going to see those bottom six lines kind of find the back of the net here moving forward uh, but I also I 
they, their top two lines are so good. I and and Bunting has been much better the last fifteen games than he was in the first nineteen, and I think you're seeing the kind of player that you want Bunting to be. Uh, Kerfoot's been a little bit better, so I think some of this was that commitment to defense, and that maybe it was you know it was a little bit harder to also score and be really committed defensively. And now they're really starting to see the reap the benefits of playing that way, uh, and and guys are starting to score a little bit more. So I, I think by the, the answer, what's that? Said <laughs> so Dryden Hunt is the answer. Yes, yes, of course, yes. Got had to get rid of Dennis Morgan. Uh, Connor Timmons has looked good. Like there's there's all sorts of things to like about this team, and and it's the downside or the upside of injury is you get a lot of opportunities for guys who wouldn't normally. So. Uh, I think that for the playoffs, that is wonderful. Uh, guys like Lilligren, I know Sandine's hurt, but he was given lots of opportunities and has played well. There are there are guys who deserved a chance and are getting it, and they are they're shining. Uh, Giordano's been been as good as you can ever ask for a forty year old defenseman to be as a number one defenseman for a team for a while. Uh, I like a lot of what this team has done, and. I think that you you have to expect they're going to go out and they're going to spend. I mean, there's no reason to not at least trade something, you know, trade something to be able to bring in a scorer. Uh, and there there's going to be plenty of free agents on some of these uh, these teams that are way out of the playoffs. And you know, we'll we'll find out what they ultimately do. But I, you know, you every team brings in someone at the deadline, right? Like that just that just is going to happen. Um, let's see. Do any other, uh, as far as the playoff race, Boston finishing number one, I think we're both there. I don't, I don't think anyone's going to catch them, especially if they never lose on, at home ice, uh, in regulation. 18 0 2. My goodness. Uh, as far as that, uh, you know, I guess there is a race between Tampa and Detroit Buffalo, right? Like even if they don't end up catching those wild card teams, there still is that uh three four in the division. Uh but I don't think either of us see Tampa falling that far. Yeah. No, no, I think I think Tampa ultimately will finish at number three. It's just a question mark of whether or not Detroit Buffalo or Florida even uh can push for one of those wild card spots. I think that's that's the biggest question mark and um and honestly, if I had to choose out of the three, I would probably take Buffalo just because I like offensively their ability to score so much. Um, you know, I think they're just entertaining. And, um, you know, again, they, they could come in and, and shock a few teams here down the stretch. Yep. Yep. I agree. Uh, they, they will definitely at very least be a spoiler. Uh, the, the playoff race is really the Metropolitan Division. I think the Atlantic is probably pretty uh, pretty set, which... It's sort of unfortunate. Like you were hoping for a little bit of a race. Um, now De- Detroit does have those games in hand. We'll see if they can win some of those. Uh, by the way, uh, Detroit's game was postponed today. It was supposed to be played in Ottawa, and they have postponed it because of yep. in- increment weather. So I, I don't know when that actually happened, but I just saw the notification for it. So um, they will not be playing that game, which uh, maybe is fortunate since they lost 6-3 just a week ago to the Ottawa Senators. So maybe they just need a need to push that game down the road a little bit, <laughs> but they'll, uh, they'll start their Christmas early. 
So I'm sure no one on the no one on the Red Wings or the Senators minds having that game canceled and kick it down the can a little bit or down the road. Uh, any final thoughts on the playoff races in the Eastern Conference before we get out of here? Um, I can't wait to see if. Uh, speaking of the Eastern Conference playoff race, and Ottawa's clearly out of it. I just can't wait to see if they start jettisoning pieces here pretty soon. So that'll be mm. fun to watch. Yeah, I know. I mean, I don't. I don't think they're going to ditch Alex Dabrinkit. I think they they traded too much to get him, and I mean he's a point per game player right now. I know he's not he's not looking like he's going to put up forty. He's looking like he's going to put up twenty, uh, twenty five goals. But I think he'll find that. You know, sometimes it just takes guys a long time to get used to a new team, especially when they've been in one place their whole career. Uh, and it's not as if it's it's not as if if. Alex Dabrinkit right now had 18 goals instead of 10. Uh, I I doubt that Ottawa is in much of a different position because probably no. you, know, you got to think. Well, someone else is sometimes scoring that goal instead. Maybe he has fewer assists. Blah blah blah. Like I I don't think that it. Maybe it gives Ottawa an extra win. Uh, but that's still if Ottawa has an extra win, they maybe are ahead of Montreal instead so I, I don't think that it makes a huge difference I don't he's not the reason they're losing uh, but yeah I, I it will be fun I, I think Ottawa I, I think Philadelphia there's there's a lot of interest there I it'd be fun to see Van Riemsdyk go somewhere you know assuming that you can ditch his contract in a couple places to get that number down I think Tarasenko I think that this is probably the time for him to get dealt and he wanted to get dealt a couple years ago, or even just last year, he wanted to get dealt, and it never happened. Things went well in St. Louis. Now things aren't going so well. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that in our Western Conference playoff race show, but uh, it'll be. I think that Tarasenko is probably a, a hot trade chip for St. Louis, especially the amount of teams that could really use a goal scorer. Uh, I, I got to imagine that there's a team out there who would be willing to give up at least a second round pick for Tarasenko if not a first round pick to uh to be able to get a guy who come playoff time has been pretty good so yep I'm has, looking at you Rangers Stanley Cup yeah the Rangers I mean I think we're all looking at Patty Kane and then maybe Tarasenko's that like the consolation prize yeah but how long do you wait on Patrick Kane right I mean that's the question mark well so. you got you're gonna probably have to wait until uh <laughs> when's the trade deadline yeah March it, uh gosh it is March the third. Okay. Yep. Yeah, and then you're also, you know, now all of a sudden, Bo Horvat's on that that radar. I don't. I am not positive that he's going to get dealt. I know all the stuff came out about him. You know, oh, he declined a contract offer, but that's stupid. Uh, do you know how many times contract offers get get turned down and then they sign something different? Who cares if one offer was turned down? <laughs> it oh, doesn't sure. matter. I mean- yeah, there's been a lot of, I mean, look, there's been a lot of times where guys, you know, don't resign all year and then you get like two days before the free agency period right. opens and they resign. So. I.e. Malkin. Yep, absolutely. But I, I also think Vancouver's got a lot of, I think they'll have to deal, be, they'll deal Besser first before they, they even think about dealing Bo Horvat. I mean, he only has 22 goals in, uh, in 32 games, so. Yeah, only. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there's there's plenty of guys who could be uh, could be available at at the deadline, and especially scores. Like, there's not much in terms of the defensive side. Uh, I'm I'm not 
super excited about what's out there for that. Uh, what Garyanov in, in Columbus is is out there, and Tyler Myers, <laughs> Myers and Gossip Beer. Yeah, there's there's some okay names. I mean, of course Jacob Chikrin, but that's that's a much bigger bigger deal. Uh, and I I'm not sure what playoff team is going to give up as much as as Arizona wants for him in the in during the season. I mean, off season he's going to go somewhere. I don't know he gets dealt during the season. I'm not sure. I'm not sure that happens. Maybe someone gets desperate, and I'm sure that that's what Arizona is waiting for. Arizona is waiting yep. for a playoff team or a team that's on the bubble to get desperate enough to give them that extra piece that they're hoping that extra piece turns into a player that plays for them, right? So it's fair. Um, I'm just not sure that there's the teams that might do it. I'm not sure they're in a position to do it right now. That's That would be my, my hang-up on that deal, but... We will find out. Um, well, that is our show. You can find us on Twitter at OT Hockey Talk. And uh, on our next show, we'll do the Western Conference playoff race. But until then, uh, if you have snow coming or it's already there, you know, uh, stay warm. Don't uh, don't have a heart attack shoveling. You know, don't do that. That's right. bad. Uh, we only have so many listeners. We can't afford to lose you. I'll just say that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, we even even if we had a million listeners, which we don't, uh, just, just a, a hair below that, but we don't want to lose any of you. Uh, and uh, Justin, I hope you have a Merry Christmas. And Merry Christmas to all those out there, or, or whatever it is that you celebrate on, on the 25th of December. Uh, yeah, hope you have a Merry Christmas, Justin. Yeah, you too, Mark. What did you get me? Merry Christmas. What did I get you? <laughs> <laughs> A day without having to listen to my awful voice anymore. Oh well, that's. I mean, that's like a. That's like an anti gift. Oh, okay. Terrible. All right. Well, uh, that's us. We'll talk to you guys soon.